This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. And now it's time to check in on the state of science. This is KER St. Louis Public Radio. Iowa Public Radio News. Local stories of national significance. Did you know about half of the sewage sludge produced in the U.S. gets turned into fertilizer? Sounds like a good way to reuse nutrients. But PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals that can cause health problems, are also finding their way into fertilizer and thus into our food. And it all starts with a flush. Here to tell us how PFAS travels from our drains to our grains <laughs> is Barbara Moran, climate and environment correspondent at WBUR based in Boston. Welcome to Science Friday. I hear you chuckling a little bit about that. Hello. I love that. Drains to grains. That, well, let, let's start on that journey. Give us the beginning of that journey. How does it get there? So... I feel kind of stupid admitting this, but I always thought that the stuff that goes into the wastewater treatment plants was just stuff you flush down the toilet, right? right? Yeah. But it's it's everything. It's like stormwater and the stuff that leaks out of landfills and the stuff out of septic tanks and industrial water waste, right? So there's a lot of PFAS in all of that wastewater, right? Mm -hmm. And that all goes to wastewater treatment plants. And there's a lot of bad stuff in there. The person who sort of made me aware of this idea was this woman named Laura Orlando, and she is a civil engineer who spent her whole career studying wastewater. And here's how she described it. What gets into wastewater is just about everything that we use in our society, because it's the pollution sink for what's out there, which is a big deal when we're talking about PFAS. So all of this stuff including PFAS, goes to the wastewater treatment plant, it gets concentrated in the sludge, and then it ends up in the fertilizer. And so the, if it's in the fertilizer, then it's in our food. It is complicated, right? That it gets in some food, it looks like, but not other food, and nobody's quite sure exactly how much PFAS in the fertilizer gets into the food. And this is an area of really sort of cutting edge study that's mostly happening up in Maine because Maine is where they've had a huge problem with contamination from this uh, fertilizer. So the farmers must be really worried about this if they know it's on their land. Yeah. So Maine had a program for years of literally putting a lot of this um, sludge-based fertilizer on farmlands. And a few years ago, farmers started detecting really high levels of PFAS in milk and meat up in Maine. And it's really taken a toll on farms up there. And as a result, a number of farms have had to close. And Maine is really far ahead on doing a lot of the science and trying to figure out how much PFAS gets from fertilizer into what types of food. Like this one guy, the state toxicologist in Maine, he told me that like for corn, it seems to get into the leaves of the corn, but not really in the kernels, hmm. right? Which is interesting, right? Because that might make a difference for what you could feed the cows. Well, if, if, if it's going from our drain to the grain, as we said before, why can't the water treatment plants just remove the PFAS as it flows in and flows out? This is what I asked them. I went to uh, Deer Island, which is one of the biggest wastewater treatment plants in the world. That's where all great, greater Boston's uh, wastewater goes. And um, I said, well, why don't you just filter it out? And they just laughed at me. And it's mostly because of the, the volume, right? It's like Deer Island takes in something like over 300 million gallons of wastewater a day. And it's just filtering the PFAS out of that volume of wastewater coming in is just it's, it's impossible to, to do, right? So Ira, this is the best part. So you get to, I got to go up on top 
of the sludge tank, right? So I have this pizza tape from on top of the sludge tank. So this is with uh, David Duest, who runs the whole treatment plant. So right under our feet is like how many gallons of? About 3 million gallons of sludge that spends about 22 days on site before it actually gets pumped to our pellet plant for conversion to a fertilizer. Barbara, you get to go to the best places. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was so psyched. 3 million gallons of sludge, right? And this is the, the sort of great tragedy of this whole story. I mean, it's really sad because, you know, it's not like we're going to stop making sludge. Right. Right, Ira. right. And you have to do something with it, right? And the fertilizer kind of seemed like a good idea. And then if it turns out that that isn't just is not going to work, it's like, what are we going to do with it? Hmm. Are, are the facilities at least testing for PFAS compounds? In a few states, in Massachusetts, they do test now. A few states they do, most places they don't. Yeah, so there's not a lot of testing. So it's hardly even known how much is in the sludge, how much is in the fertilizer, how much is getting into food. This is really sort of new yeah. science. If the sludge, let's say, didn't get turned into fertilizer, where else could it go? What could you do with it? We're each going to get a bucket and keep it in our basement. There you go. It's coming. Thank you, Barbara. Coming next week. <laughs> no. So, right. This is the problem. You can landfill it and or you can burn it. Right. 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 And those are terrible. Like, so landfill, it gives off methane and then the PFAS is going to leak out into the leachate anyway. And then you burn it. And it's unclear if that is going to totally destroy the PFAS. So this mm. is the trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no great solution. You know, PFAS, as you know, PFAS are, are everywhere. They're in everything. How big of a deal is it that we're being exposed through fertilizer then? Yeah, that is a, a great question. And some people give just that argument. They're like, look, it's in the air, it's in the dust, it's in the drinking water. Maybe this will put a little bit in the food, but so what? I mean, the counter argument to that is, okay, if we do know that it's somewhere, you should try to cut that source off, right? That just because it's every, it doesn't mean it's bad. And right. if there's a known source, we should try to try to deal with it. And we should at least be measuring it and trying to understand it so that we know how exposed people may be getting from that. So I don't think anybody could argue with the need for more measurement and, and understanding of, of what exactly is happening. So where do we go from here? Are there any solutions underway? Yeah. So a lot of environmental groups and public health officials are saying, well, let's just stop spreading it on land, right? Let's just be, right. if we don't know what to do, why don't we just stop using it? And Laura Orlando, who we heard from before, put it best. There is no safe concentration of PFAS, right? And so adding it to soil as a fertilizer, it's a, it's a disconnect from the reality of the harm of this family of chemicals. And so the logical thing to do is just not spread it all over the place. You know, one is tempted to say maybe we could come up with a water filter that would remove it from the, the drinking water, from the, from the drain, right? But then that really wouldn't be the solution because you have PFAS coming from all these other places. Oh, well, Ira, you're on to something because you're smart. Um, actually, they, this, is, this is something that's been tried out and worked in um, having industrial sources that are sort of known producers of PFAS filter or pre-treat their wastewater before it goes to the treatment plants. And that does get the levels down a bit. And also getting all our drinking water treated would help get the levels down. So there are ways 
out there to pre-treat the water to get less PFAS mm. in it. So, so there are some, you know, people looking at solutions out there. Mm. And it'd also be helpful to know just how much of it is out there, which we're not quite sure either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I yes. know we laugh about it, but it is a big problem. They get so overwhelming sometimes yeah. that I do go into this sort of gallows humor with yeah. it. But it is um it's important to figure out what's going on, right? I right, mean, we should right. be we should be measuring this stuff. We should be getting a handle on it. Yeah, well, Barbara, we're always happy to have your humor and your gallows with us <laughs> on Science Friday. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Barbara Moran, climate and environment correspondent at WBUR, based in Boston.